the time, and I talked about this all the time, and I just said this next time we have a conversation this morning. Most theological errors are not theological anymore. We struggle morally to live the way that God calls us to live. And he says, we struggle to leave the rules. And there are no We change the rules. Who's over here? And so it's not that we don't need rules. It's that the relationship calls us to live by it. Let me demonstrate what I mean. Now, I've talked about this before. You guys know what meetings are? What's a meeting? You can tell me what meetings are. A meeting is a form of judgment. Yes. And so a meeting is like a picture on the internet or social media that makes a point. Okay? And so a meeting is just a picture of something that is often used as a joke to make a point. And there's a meaning that I love that I want to explain to you. Okay. Now, try to explain to me what I'm trying to explain to you. It doesn't always work. But stick with me. Alright? In the 90s, there was a song, quite a popular song, and the song was called Only God Can Judge. That's the last song. Not very appropriate song. But I like the song, and the song is Only God Can Judge. Now, the principle in that song, song was no matter what other people think of you, God is your judge. Right? Which we would agree with that. However, as the song became popular, the phrase only God can judge me was used by people whenever they were criticized for doing wrong to justify what they were doing. Right? So if somebody criticized the fact that you were a liar or a thief or a terrible person, you'd say, well, only God can judge me. Well, okay, you're still a liar or a thief or a terrible person. Get the principle? And so there's this meaning. Our lives is a picture of a girl, and she's saying to the God, she's saying, Only God can judge And he's looking at her and he's inspired. She has that voice, right? It's more dangerous to be guilty before God than before the left, right? So the way that people use it constantly is to justify whatever they're doing. But they try to miss the point. They expect to scare us. The just in fact, our judgment work is beautiful. And so when we have a conversation about whether following God is a matter of ruling or a matter of relationship, I would say indeed it is both, but the relationship is actually scarier than the rule. Because it calls us to a higher level of devotion of following God. And that's what I want to reflect on. But of course, so I would like to point out to you. The things that we do in our mass that we often don't notice until I want to imagine Now, one of the things that our mass has that is particular, uh, that the Roman Catholic Church doesn't have, that the Greek Church doesn't have, is we always have in the mass either traditionally the reading of the Ten Commandments, right, or what we call a summary of the law, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. They only have one of these four devils. My question is, why do we have that in that? To remind us of our obligation to love God and people who follow God's commandments, 
to give us the rules. And then, if we're honest with ourselves, to remind us that we fail. That's that. How do you do that last week? Love your neighbor and yourself as a member of the day, right? We fail at it. And so, what comes next? Here is a way of Lord have mercy. So, we hear God's law. Hopefully, it's wrong to acknowledge our character to that in our hearts. And then we can see God and say, Lord have mercy on us. Forgive us. Because the guilty before God is not a right thing, right? It's something we take seriously. And so that brings us to the next thing that Jesus says. And so this all strikes me because Jesus comes, and you guys have to forgive me because I'm like a name, I make fun of you sometimes. And so one of the statements is the church promotion. Have you ever seen a church promotion? One of my favorite ones. They say, open heart, open door, open mind. Doesn't that sound lovely?
we confess our sins, I turn and give the absolution of forgiveness of sins in the middle of that. The comfortable word. Something that's also particular to me, I need to know. Only we have it, no deal. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. That will give you rest. For God so loved the world that he gave only the God of the Son. To go to the least of his not church. And so on. So, at every Mass, you get the gospel. Right? Every Mass that you come to, you receive that message of God. The gospel is also present in the creed, by the way. The eternal God created all things. He came fully God and fully man in the divine person, Jesus Christ, to the birth of Mary, was crucified for our sins, was raised to life for our justification, and to his death, and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. He established his church on earth, who may be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, and in which he hosted the Holy Spirit to be raised to eternal life. That is the gospel. And so when we talk about gospel, the point I want to make is the gospel has actual content. The gospel is not whatever you happen to want to think about Jesus Christ. The gospel is what is proclaimed in your gospel itself. So when Jesus calls us to believe the gospel, this is what I will say to you today. The gospel is not the testimony of our own desires. It is not the use of our popular culture. It is not the belief of other religions or philosophies, and it is not subject to the science of today. The gospel is the content of an investment. That is what we believe. And so, anybody who tells you that salvation comes to be made out of way is totally something that is not true. The false issue. And so then Jesus says to them, Follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. Now, one of my favorite things is that I've been saying nations of Asia. Now, you guys, you're not allowed to answer this question. Who is saying nations of Asia? He was a very good church father. He was fed to the lions in the Colosseum of Rome. He was an apostle of John, his language. Gospel writer and the apostle of Jesus. He was the third bishop of Antioch when he was first called a Christian. And on his way to Rome to be killed, he wrote several very important letters, which are among the earliest Christian writings outside of the New Testament. And there's many things about this letter I love, but there's a phrase that always strikes me, and whenever I read that, they seem scary. And one of the things he says when he writes to the church in Rome, he says that it is his hope that I may not merely be called a Christian, but really be found to be one. And so he's talking about facing death. For me, a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, it's my hope that I won't only be called a Christian, but I'll be found actually to be loved and to be and so when Jesus says, follow me, there are lots of opinions today about what it means to follow Jesus. People tell you lots of different things. And, and sometimes, I wish I was more confident. I pray about it. <laughs> Actually, because I'm small and I say, a lot of opinions hold us a lot. 
And I don't say that because I want that to be my something now. I say it because every day when we hear on the news, and on culture, and on social media, and for many people who call themselves preachers and Christians and followers of Jesus, what they say is just is false. Not false based on my idea about it, but false based on the words of Christ himself. And so when we ask the question, what it means to follow Jesus, well, I want you to understand that that means a very specific thing. And a few of them are very easy, and I'm just going to give them to you today. The first thing that means the fall of Jesus is that we are born again. In John 3 3, where the Jesus himself truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So unless you're born again by the Holy Spirit, you won't see the kingdom of God. It's really that thing. And so the people who reject Jesus Christ, who believe different things, they're not saved. Which is why we should have the burden on our hearts to tell them about Jesus Christ. Jesus does not say that if you have nice physical feelings about God or generic ideas about a belief, they will be saved. That's not the message of the gospel. Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark 15, 15. Those who are not baptized do not belong to the kingdom of God. I'm certain of the truth. Jesus says that to be saved, you must receive the Eucharist. John 6. Jesus says to them, Surely, surely I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, I will raise them up at the last day. To those who say that rules are not necessary to call on Jesus, Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. To follow Jesus means to take up the cross. Design to yourself. And I want to make a comment on this before I talk about it. So, this is for me, actually. So, in the military, right, everybody has patches and stuff, right? You always have the, the United States flag on your arm patch, and you typically have your unit patch, right? And so, everything that you have, all the guys, they always have patches on them. They'll typically have your name, but they stuff what you say. Right? We don't have a unit. And if you are a medic, they have a red cross on there for people who have a medic bag. But then you can put all kinds of crazy patches on the bags, right? Anything you can do. Both appropriate and inappropriate. Okay? And so I just got a patch that I love. Because, you know, when I go to any kind of thing, I take this huge bag that's like this tall, the whole chapel. I make have this whole in a bag, I carry it around, and I go there and I set up that. And they think I'm crazy, right? And I just got a nice patch from my bag that I love. It's a big skull, and it says, Die to self. Die to self. And so, the point is that Jesus calls us to put to death, not to embrace those things that are different than what the gospel has So Jesus says, Put those things to death. Within himself. He crucified within it. He says in Matthew 16, 
If anyone would come after me, let me deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And the last thing I'll give is John 14 6. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, if we believe those things, the word of Jesus Christ himself, then we need the gospel. When we reject those truths, any one of us, when we want to have different ideas about what it means to want to be God, or to be saved, or make it to the kingdom, then I will encourage you to repent, to embrace and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. To put to death within yourself all those things that are opposed to God. That when I find within myself a desire that does not match the gospel of Jesus Christ, rather than change the gospel or change the rules to remember that call to take up my cross and to put to death within me. Finally, Jesus said to them, follow me, not away from cities of men. So whenever I talk about this gospel passage, I always talk about, you guys know the vacation Bible school in there that we yet. And so I'll never forget this. So I was like 22 probably. And I was involved in ministry in our non-nominational church. And we had a vacation Bible school. And I had this group set up. They had a boat there and these nets. And we were talking to the kids. These kids were about seven, right? And we were talking to them about telling people about Jesus. So I heard this passage. And I went in there and talked to these seven-year-olds about telling everybody about Jesus, and I'm telling them to go out and be fishers and men. You know, be fishers and men, they're telling people about Jesus, be fishers and men. So I go on my little branch for like five minutes, come at this one. And this little girl, she's sitting in front of her and pops up. And I'm like, Yes, what's your question? She says, Can we be fishers and girls? Can we be fishers and girls? I just wanted to make sure that she could also tell girls about Jesus. God always knew that I knew that was kind of my mother. And <laughs> it was funny. But I wish sometimes that we had that same enthusiasm, right? Jesus tells us that part of following him is telling other people the good news of Jesus Christ. So what I'm saying is that Jesus' command in Matthew chapter 28, when he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. That is an area that doesn't belong to just the people on this side of life. Right? It belongs to every follower of Jesus Christ. And I'll be pleased with this, Mark 1 and 18, and immediately they left their neck and followed him. So, you know, if I came by your workplace, and just show them, I say, hey, come, follow me. You just got to quit your job on the spot, right? And so these gentlemen, they quit their lives, right? They left their family. And what we must understand is the promise of God for perfecting the faith of Jesus Christ is the only way, the only way to God. They don't feel martyrs of that faith. And what I think is important about pointing out 
the faith to the martyrs. This is a reminder to us that following Jesus Christ is never passive. Following Jesus Christ is never normal. It is always gratitude. And any time that we find the following of Jesus Christ to be normal and comfortable, you know what we've done? We modify it. We water it down and we make it not true. Because following Jesus is something that governs our whole lives and it is in fact gratitude. One of St. Agnes of Rome, who was a follower of Jesus Christ, who devoted herself to consecrating her identity as a nun, and when someone attempted to violate that, uh, she was mutilated and killed. And so she had revered since the early centuries of church for her fidelity to Jesus Christ. And in fact, when I rattle all the names of the saints that they both up there, she's one. St. Maximus was invested with a great theologian of my father. And St. Maximus defended the true faith, the creed, and they cut off his hands, and they cut out his tongue. He remained faithful. I joked with someone, they cut off my hand, and cut off my tongue. Don't forget that I'm not Peter. So I'll still be against him. Okay? And so what I want you to understand is the call to follow me that Jesus Christ himself is more than a sentimental feeling for him. It does not mean that we merely have some sense of belief in God. It does not mean that we come to church sometimes. Following Jesus is a call to God himself in the matter we give our lives over to obedience to him. Not the mere obedience of the law, but a higher Love. You know, we forget sometimes because we fail at the law that the law is actually easier to follow. Give me an example. The law says, do not murder. Basically, we get ahead of Jesus says, if you hate someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. The law says, don't commit it at all. Okay, fine. Jesus says, must. In your heart, you've already seen it. Because back in the old days of the highway, they're not ready for that kind of thing. My point is, do you have to understand that the call to Jesus, the call to love, is not a free path? When Jesus says, Follow me, he calls us to come and die. So for that reason, we must lay down our lives before the altar. We must repent. We must seek again and again to give our lives to Him. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God, and He said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and read the gospel. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.